All right, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I'm gonna invite you to turn back to the passage I read just a few moments ago from Matthew chapter eight, excuse me, Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, in a series that we have been going through in Jesus's Sermon on the Mount called An Elevated Life. The passage that was read spoke about birds and flowers and fear. And the people that were hearing Jesus on that hillside that day heard loud and clear birds and flowers and fear. Now the people that he was speaking to, the folks that had gathered on that hillside were common day, everyday people like you and I. And he knew what was going on in their minds. He knew what was going on in their lives, what was going on in their hearts. He knew what worries they may have about their children. He knew what worries they might have about their work. He knew every single thing about them because they're just like everybody else. They had things they were worried about. Now, it could be said, and it's probably true, they may have had a few more things to worry about than we do. They were living under Roman oppression, The rule of Rome was a cruel, oppressive regime. There could be punishments and there could be armies controlling the world they lived in. They could even be crucified for things that we would think very, very small. They could have even been dealing with the fact that there are Jewish people waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Christ, waiting for the one who was promised to come. And that would be on their hearts and that would be on their minds to get rid of these Roman invaders and finally reestablish the kingdom that God had promised that would come through the line of David. But probably on that hillside that day, they were thinking alike we would think. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? What are we going to do this week with our work? And how are we going to fix this problem with our kids? See, they're not all that much different than you and I. And Jesus says to them in Matthew 6, verse 25, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Now let's, let's be honest with each other and let's have a little fun this morning. And I want you to bring your pointer fingers out for just a minute. And I want you to point to someone around you if you have heard something like this. Have you ever heard anyone around you say something like, I have nothing to wear? Point right now at the ones who might have said such things. All right. I got nothing to wear. There's nothing whatsoever in my closet. I don't have anything. Or let's try this one. Point to someone if you've heard this phrase in your house. There is nothing to eat in this house. Have you heard that one? Point to somebody if you've heard that phrase. Man, I have two teenagers, sons, two boys in our house, and they will go to the fridge, open it up, close the door, open the freezer, close the door, open every cabinet in the pantry, open it and close it, and then say, there is nothing to eat in this house. You ever heard that from a teenager? Well, 
I said that growing up. My brother and I said it. And my dad would say something to us that now I've started to say to my boys. And it's simply this. If you get hungry enough, you'll find something to eat. (laughs) Just let that hunger pain keep going. Eventually, what you think is nothing will start looking like something. Jesus is calling to their mind the things that they say. I got nothing to eat. I got nothing to wear. I I mean, so many of our common worries and our common fears deal with just daily common things. I can say honestly to you that I have worried about what to wear. It actually happened to me this week on Friday, two days ago, just two days ago. I'll give you the scenario. I was preparing for a meeting. I've actually had a meeting on the calendar for over a month now with my president. That's the boss boss of my life the president of the university, the provost, who is my direct supervisor and boss, and the CFO of our university, the chief financial officer. I've been needing to have this meeting where I was going to make this presentation. And the president and the provost and the CFO and myself were going to be in there. And Friday morning when I woke up, I started wondering, what should I wear? What do I need to wear to this meeting? Because I wasn't just going to tell them some things. I was going to ask them for over $300,000. Not for me personally, but for something that we're working on at the university. It was a big ask. And I just didn't feel good not wearing the right thing if I'm going to be asking for such an amount. And so where did I land? I landed with a coat and suit and tie. I felt like if you're going to ask for six figures, you better look like you're ready to go for six figures. And when I got there, none of them were in anything like that. The provost was in a polo shirt. It's Friday, casual Friday. They all looked like they were going to the beach. And here I'm in a suit. But I was the one making the ask. Friday morning, I woke up wondering, what should I wear? What should I put on? What should I put on my body in order to impress these people? You see, there is a scenario in all of our lives where we worry about things and fret over things and have some some anxiety and some thoughts about things that are quite simple. And Jesus knows in that audience, in that crowd, they too worry about those things. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about what you will eat and what you will drink or what you will wear. He says... Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? He invites them to look up. He tells them to look up. He tells them to open their eyes and and look up into the heavens. He says, look up, look at the birds of the air. Verse 26, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look up, he says. Look to the birds that are flying by. And I believe maybe in the timing of Jesus' example, maybe actually some birds were flying by on that hillside. And he just says, look to the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow nor gather food into barns. And yet the heavenly father, your heavenly father, feeds every single one of them. Whether those birds are gathering on your back deck or gathering around those feeders you have in your backyard 
or whether they're finding the worms that are hidden underground. There is something miraculous in Jesus' words that the Heavenly Father, the one who is the creator and sustainer of all life, cares even for the birds and their meals and their food and their supply. And how much more of value are you than they? In Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, Jesus actually tells us how much a bird is worth in his day. In Matthew 10, verse 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? So what is the value of a bird in Jesus' day? At least the sparrow, you can get two for a penny. That means half a cent each is their value. But in describing the value of these birds, he mentions this important truth. And not one of them, not a single one of those birds that seem absolutely insignificant or absolutely low of value, not one of them falls to the ground apart from the Father. That means the creator and sustainer of life knows the very location of every single bird. He's provided every single meal. And even if one of those birds die, God our Father knows. And he continues and says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. God knows that much about you. He certainly knows the location and the whereabouts of the birds of the air, but he also knows the exact number of hairs on your head or lack thereof. If you've lost a few over the years. He knows. He says in verse 31, fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. When we are anxious, when we are fearful, when we are fretting over something little or maybe even something significant, we are reminded to look up, to look up to the birds, to look up to what God has shown in his care for them. And certainly we will be reminded that God who cares for the birds also cares for his people, for his children that the provision that he provides them, he also provides for us. That our God knows our every need and our God provides. We are far more valuable than a few birds. But in verse 27, Jesus takes it up a notch. When he asked the question, in which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life. Which one of you, which of you, any of you, by being anxious, can add anything to your life? What benefit will it bring? What benefit will it bring to your daily walk? What benefit will it bring to your life as a whole? What benefit is there to worrying and fretting over little things or big things? And it will have no significant benefit to your life. Now, I want to take a minute. And I want to lay some truth before you that is really, really important. Really, really important for you to hear. Because this phrase, by being anxious, can be taken out of context and honestly can be misunderstood. Because what Jesus is speaking about here in being anxious is not what we think of today in the phrase anxiety. 
There is a major, major difference. Hear me, brothers and sisters. There is a major difference in experiencing clinical anxiety as compared to what Jesus is speaking about here. Now, let me explain to you what clinical anxiety is. And some of you actually already know. And clinical anxiety is a medical condition. It's physical, it's emotional, it's psychological. Clinical anxiety can be something that comes out of nowhere. It can be a surprise. It cannot be something that you can be prepared for or be alerted to. It's sometimes caught in the middle of the night or in the middle of a day and there's nothing negative or sad going on. It's just an emotional brain chemistry release that happens. It causes all kinds of symptoms. It can increase the heart that you feel like you're having a heart attack. It can make you have dry mouth or crazy sweating. It can make your temperature go high and low with absolutely no reason. It can result in vomiting, diarrhea. If it continues and it continues to get worse, it can result in weight loss, suicidal thoughts, uh, tendencies and, and darkness in the brain and in the mind. And these common symptoms, actually they're far uncommon, but these symptoms are 100% a part of many people's lives. Some estimates, and I don't know how it would play particularly here at Valley Creek, but some estimates have said that 15 to 20% of people have experienced at least once the evidence and the symptoms of clinical anxiety. That they are having a clinical anxiety and panic attack. And we need to be cautious of saying things about those who experience this as we would certainly be cautious about someone who's experiencing high blood pressure or high cholesterol or poor eyesight or diabetes. It's a medical condition. It's a physiological medical problem. And there is treatment. There is prescriptions. There is doctor's diagnosis. There is care that can come through both therapy, both medicinal therapy and other kinds of therapy. That's not what Jesus is talking about right here. There is a major difference, brothers and sisters. And we can often be misguided in connecting when people are battling clinical anxiety, just like if you're battling, you've got a problem with your cholesterol numbers. We can be misguided in and assuming, well, they're just not trusting God enough. Or they're just worrisome. Because what Jesus is actually referring to here is not clinical anxiety. He's referring to someone, we someones, who will choose to dwell in a state of constant worry and anxious thoughts. It's a choice it's not the clinical anxiety that he's talking about. It's a choice that can be made where you choose to dwell in worrisome thoughts, where you choose to linger in worrisome feelings. It's the old adage of being a worrywart, where you actually like to worry about things. Now, and I'm 
going to use the possessive our and us because I too have experienced in my life in different stages where I liked being a person who worried. I like to worry. I like to linger on things and I like to let my mind run to things and I like to fret over things. I would think about what people might say and then what am I going to say in return? I might think about what people might do and how I'm going to respond. I might think about how things are going to go in tomorrow's work day and if it's what that means and what that means. Any of you ever been in that scenario where you worry yourself to death because you kind of like to linger and worry? That's what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about the clinical anxiety that's a physiological medical condition. He's talking about people like me and maybe like many of you who just linger in worrisome, fretful thoughts where you choose to dwell in that place where you progressively make more and more anxious thoughts and more and more anxious feelings and more and more sense that you're completely out of control. Friends, when we choose to dwell in a state of constant worry and anxious thoughts, whether over a situation or over a person or what we're going to eat and what we're going to wear and what we're going to do, in many ways we let that thing or those people push the presence and the power and the glory and the authority of God out of our focus. And instead, we start to dwell on the things that are temporary, that are momentary, that are for this earth only and not the things that lead to the recognition that God is in control and God is our father and God has provided and God cares. When we look to the thing that that is, instead of the God who controls and rules it all, we miss sight of how powerful powerful and how authoritative our God truly is. He says, look to the birds when you start feeling worrisome. Look to the flowers when you start fretting. They neither toil nor spin. They neither reap nor sow. They neither gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father cares for them all. What benefit is there to any of our lives by worrying over these things? Our God is inviting us to look to him, to look to his authority and power. The psalmist David, King David, wrote a psalm, Psalm 139, that has actually been an important part of my life for years. And it has ministered to me in those moments of worry and anxious thoughts. It seemed as though, David is trying to get his mind around what God really knows about him and what God has really done in his life. And he says in the opening words of this psalm, Psalm 139, he says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. In speaking about God's presence in his life, he says, God, you know me. You've searched me. You know everything about me. 
You perceive my thoughts. You know everything I'm thinking. You know my words before I ever even say them. I mean, wonderful, wonderful idea. Friends, when you start to say something tomorrow that you know you shouldn't say, guess what? God already knew you were going to say it. He knows everything about our heart. He knows every intimate detail of what we worry about and what we're fretting over. It says that he has hemmed us in. And that's, a, that's an old expression. It's an old expression. And, and, and there's even a picture that comes from the colonial period of the American Revolution that if a young man was spending time courting a young lady and let's say he had to stay over at the family home the mother of the house would come into the bedchambers and would actually get a flour sack or a potato sack and put the man in it and him, him in with stitch and thread so that he's basically in this sack for the whole night. Because if they woke up the next day and any of those stitches had been broken, guess what? He had done something he should not have done. Been visiting with the young lady in the house, hemmed in, woven in, that God is before us and behind us. Have any of you ever been hemmed in on the road on an interstate where you can't seem to get anywhere? You're kind of boxed in, car in front, car to the side, car behind. You're locked in your lane. You're hemmed in. Boy, that, that will create some anxious thoughts, won't it? Particularly when there's semi-trucks, Amen. But the description here is that God has hemmed us in, that he knows before us and behind us, that he's with us, he knows our thoughts. And David then confesses that this truth about God is so, so wonderful. But listen how he finishes the psalm, how he closes it out. He says in verse 23 and 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, you know me. You know my thoughts. You know my heart. You know my words. You've hemmed me in. You're before and behind. Take a look at what I'm feeling and what I'm worrying about and what I'm afraid of and see if there be anything in me that's not right with you and lead me in a way that's everlasting. Lead me out of those anxious thoughts and those anxious feelings and those worries and lead me to a point that is truly everlasting. And what he's saying is, take my eyes off what is immediate. Take my eyes off of what is pressing right this very day and give me a picture of what's eternal, what's everlasting, what's for the long haul. Give me a picture of what's truly your power and your presence and your provision in my life. Let me take my eyes off my immediate trouble and see the glory that you have created all things and you are sustaining me and providing for me and giving me the hope that not only on this earth, but in all of eternity forward, you are gonna be my father and I'm gonna be your child and I'm walking with you. Friends, that will transform your anxious thoughts, your anxious fears and give Give you a life that has more eternity and joy and hope and peace. But that's what we have to turn to. It reminds me of that hymn that many of us sang growing up. 
Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The verse says, O soul, you are weary and troubled. No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior. And life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. It's turning our eyes. Away from the anxious thoughts. Away from the worries. Away from the things that trouble us each and every day. And it's letting those earthly things become dim. In the light of God's glory, God's grace, God's provision, God's care. Look to the birds. Look to the fields. Most certainly, look to God. Look to God. There is so much more that our God wants for us than for us to labor in worry. I'm going to invite the band to join me. I'm just going to close in a verse that certainly we should have memorized and certainly use in moments of anxious thoughts. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be, may be known to God. And the peace of God. Oh, hear this, brothers and sisters. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes upon him. Uh, This morning, I wonder if you have worries. If you have fears. Common to every single one of us. Things in our lives, and our jobs, and our families, and our work that you want to linger in worry over, that you want to fret over, that you find yourself dwelling on day in and day out. I wonder if today you want to turn your eyes away from them and turn your eyes toward Jesus. To let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In the coming moments in the invitation, we're going to do things just a little different. This altar, this space in the front of our sanctuary is designed as a place for prayer. It's designed for a place to kneel before God and bow before God and lay our hearts before Him. And in just a moment as we sing a song called Come As You Are, we're going to invite if any wants to come and just lay something at the foot of the cross, at the foot of our Savior, I invite you to do so. I'm going to be right over here by that table. If you want someone to pray with you, I would be honored. But this is an invitation to come and to lay it down. Put it before the Lord. Jesus said in what is only described as a beautiful invitation, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who have burdens and fears and anxious thoughts. Come to me and I 
will give you peace for your souls. Do you need to come to Jesus this morning and lay things at his feet? Let's pray together. Father, I pray that this message, this moment, this time has ministered to many hearts. And if there be some that just need to come this morning and lay things before you, I invite them to look up, look to the birds, look to the fields, but most importantly, look to you. Look to our God who invites his children to come before him and lay the burdens that we have before him. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move now in this time and that we would just lay things down and carry them no more. I pray this, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that's the name above every name. Amen and amen.